We'll look at one verse of scripture here in, a, in just a few minutes. It'll be Psalm chapter 122 and verse number 1. If you could go around the nation this morning and you could do an interview in church, churches around America and you were to ask this question, why did you come to church today? How many different responses do you think you might get? Probably a lot of different, I would, I would, I would, you know, sometimes I will throw a question out on Sunday evenings I'll, to try to get some discussion going. I thought about asking this morning, why did you come to church this morning? But uh, the crowd is bigger and I was afraid of some of the responses I might have gotten, so I decided not to do that. But I, I want to talk this morning, our subject this morning, the question is, why people go to church? Why go to church? Why is it important that we come together in a fellowship once, twice, three times a week, no matter how often it is that we come to church. I want to tell you this morning, um, these weren't my answers before I came in uh, up to the pulpit. This morning, I could tell you some reasons that I'm glad I came to church. I'm glad I came to church because I went to class this morning and I heard from Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5 about how important it is to be an encourager and how important it is to know that there are people who have the gift of encouragement in our congregation and and they are people who lift us up and who encourage us i'm looking around the room and i see a lot of people in here who have the gift of encouragement the gift of just picking people up and helping people and knowing when those people need just a boost and a lift from the lord it was wonderful to listen from God's Word there in Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5 about how God used a woman named Deborah to convince a king who was outmatched and outnumbered and who really didn't want to go to war, but she told him, you go on, the victory's already won, the Lord is out before you, and he's going to fight this battle for you. And so it was, it was good to be there. It was good to, in between Sunday school and worship service, to see some of you that I haven't seen this week and to be able to speak to you and, and, and for you to share with me about what's going on in your week or to be able to share a prayer need or, or, or something and, and to be able to hear those things and, and talk and, and to see those, see people and, and to, to have that opportunity to do that. It has been a blessing to be sitting right here and be reminded through the music that we have lifted up to God this morning, how great is our God? How great is our God? To, to sit here and know that, that you may have a multitude of problems and you may have things going on that nobody around you knows, but to listen to the words and to, and to hear someone sing and say, how great is our God? And to know that, that he is so great, he is so powerful, and he's so wonderful. And that last song that Aaron just led us in, uh, uh, just the name of Jesus. How settling and calming is it sometimes just to hear the name of Jesus. And just to know that he's in control. It was wonderful. I, I, I'm glad that I was here this morning to see the smile on Aaron's face as she sang those words. And to know she believes it with all of her heart so i am glad this morning that i was here for those reasons and you're probably saying well i, bo I hope he's so happy that he just won't preach now 
No. I'm not that happy yet, but I, I will, but I am hungry, so we may be short. In October 2018, just a few months ago, the Pew Research Center did a survey, and they asked this question, why people do or do not regularly go to church? And there's an overwhelming reason why people said that they go to church. Anybody want to guess what that overwhelming reason why people say they go to church? Somebody said fellowship. What's some, somebody else? Learn. People, the overwhelming response that people gave was they say they come to church because they feel closer to God by, by attending a worship service. How many of you can, can re relate to that statement there? That you feel closer to God by being in a worship service. Now, there are, there are a lot of reasons people said that they stay away and they're more complicated. 28% say that they don't go simply because they are not believers. They don't have a belief in, in, in God. Among self-identified Christians, people who say they are Christians are what we would call nominal Christians. The predominant reason that non-churchgoers in that category say that they don't attend is that they practice their faith in other ways. We'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. 33% say they just haven't found a church that they like. And 11% say they don't feel welcome at church. I will tell you, I, the first time I ever came to this church was on a Sunday. I, I lived in Piedmont all my life, and I had never been in this church until I was 28 years old. I rode by it a lot on Sunday mornings, and I would see people going in and going out, and I, I just didn't give it much thought. And I had a perception in my mind that it was probably a cold and unfriendly church. I want to tell you something. That was one of the things I was most wrong about in all my life. This is a very friendly church. And you go the extra mile to make sure that people are welcomed and people know that they uh, feel welcomed here. And I want to tell you, it is, it's a great place to be, to see those kind of things, um, to, be, to know that church is friendly. Uh, one in four people who don't attend church say this, I just don't have the time to go to church. If you ask people sitting in church this morning why people don't attend church, they will say those who are not here are non-believers. Yet the same people that you ask that question will tell you that America is 75% Christian. So how could that be? There's a paradox of church attendance. This phrase stuck out to me. It says, while you don't have to attend church to be a Christian, if you never go to church, you probably aren't a Christian. That's the paradox of church attendance. Uh, a minister, a pastor named Ricky Jones said these words, and I quote, I want you to understand that being part of, a universal church, of the universal church without submitting to a local church is not possible, biblical, or healthy. First, it's simply not possible. To imply you can be a part of the greater community without first being part of the smaller is not logical. You cannot be a part of a Rotary International without also being part of a local chapter. You cannot be part of the universal human family without first being part of a small immediate family. Second, it's not biblical. Every letter in the New Testament assumes Christians are members of local churches. The letters themselves are addressed to local churches. 
They teach us how to get along with other members, how to encourage the weak within the church, how to conduct ourselves at church, and what to do with unrepentant sinners in the church. They command us to submit to our elders and encourage us to go to our elders to pray. All these things are impossible if you aren't a member of a local church. Asking where the Bible commands you to be a church member is like asking where the USGA rule book for golf insists that you be a human. The whole book of the Bible, the whole New Testament, is as addressed to the church. The latest Pew survey is a reminder that if I love my neighbor, especially my nominal Christian neighbor, I will tell them, as my colleague Jeff Robinson says, that when we say church membership and attendance is optional, we are also tacitly rejecting the very people Christ bought with his own blood. I need to find the courage to tell them that Christianity is not a choose-your-own-path religion and that the people we, are, we most need to associate with have already been chosen for us, end quote. So this morning, let's look at uh, some reasons that people come to church or why it is important for us to come to church. The first one is simply this. We come to worship God. Psalm 122 and 1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It still sticks out in my memory, in my mind, many years ago, well, uh, when I first came to our church, one of our deacons named Don Sparks had terminal cancer. And Don's had a short life expectancy. And I'll never forget the last time that Don was able to be here in our worship service. He had the closing prayer. And he said these words as he stood right here. He, he couldn't even get up on the stage. He had to stand down here uh, below and he said these words to our congregation. He said, you didn't have to come to church today. You got to come to church today. You were able to come to church today. And he said, we need to change our mindset of, I have to go to church today to I get to go to church today. And that's always stuck with me so, so much. We come to worship God. In the heart of every person who's ever been born, there is a need for God. When I, after we become a Christian, those of us who've been born again, who are followers of Jesus, we understand that before we came to this place in a relationship with Christ and fellowship with God, that there had been something missing in our lives. And God was what it was. He was what was missing in our heart and in our life. Every one of us has a need for God. And in our soul is a capacity to worship God. There is a yearning. Once I come into a relationship with the Lord, I had a yearning and a desire to worship God and to be among His people. Now, God can be worshipped anywhere. Is that right? God can be worshipped anywhere. How many of you would say that at, through the week, as you're driving along in your car, you hear a song or something, you're listening to Christian radio or you're listening to a message somewhere, and you're worshiping as you're, as you're driving along. There's probably a lot of you. Don't close your eyes, but keep worshiping. Keep your eyes open, though. How many of you can say, I can say that I sit in my backyard sometimes. Um, I, it's one of my most favorite places in the world is to be in my backyard. And there are times that when I can look up and I can see the stars and I can see all that God has created, 
And it's a worshipful experience to me. God can be worshipped anywhere, but He is best worshipped when we are here together as a congregation in His house. Now there's the classic argument that, that, that many of you have heard when you've invited someone to church or you've told somebody about the importance of coming to church. You'll get this classic argument. I can worship God in the outdoors. I can worship God on the lake. I can worship God on the golf course. I can worship God in a tree stand. I can worship God in any of these places. That's the classic argument. Well, President Theodore Roosevelt had the classic answer to that. You can, but you likely won't. You can, but you likely won't. Worship involves other people. Jesus said where even two or three are gathered in, in his name, he would be there in their midst. Last Sunday evening, I had the opportunity to go up to Mentone, Alabama, up um, way on up on the mountain to a worship service with a, a group of college students, Dennis Ragsdale, Scott Maddox, and myself went up, and we participated in a wonderful worship service with a group of college students who were 180 students and their families who were headed out to 20 different nations around the world, 25 different states, 65 different universities among those 180 students. And we listened to them come up. Each one of them came to the platform and told where they were going and what they would be doing on their mission. And they have committed 52 days this summer. That's based off of the book of Nehemiah. They've committed 52 days to going and doing missions this summer. It's an incredible thing to hear but then we were part of a worship experience that was just so wonderful. Way up in this beautiful setting on top of Mentone, Alabama, in, on about a 40-acre piece of property that has been converted into a training camp for missionaries under a great big tent like you would see at Barnum and Bailey Circus. And to hear those college students begin who are going into places where most... One student told me that he had a 20-hour plane flight, and when he got to his destination, then he had to travel upriver 20 hours to get to where his mission destination. And I believe it was uh, Ted Acker was with us the other day, and Ted asked him, what are you going to do when you get there? And he said, pretty much whatever God tells me to do. That's faith. But there to see, hear all those kids lift their voices, it was one of the most wonderful experiences of worship that I've ever been able to be a part of. Worship with people from 25 different states, 65 different universities, people that I have very little in common with. The only, the only thing that I would have in common with most of them is the Lord Jesus Christ. But it, when we all got together there, there were no questions to ask about what do you think or what do you feel or what do you... We just all know that we love Jesus and we were able to lift our voices up and sing. I'm not inhibited anymore to stay. I stand right here uh, on this second pew and I used to keep my voice real low because I didn't think that I sang real well. Well, Whitney told me a few weeks ago, she stood in front of me and she said, you know, it really wasn't all that bad. And she has been my encouragement to sing really loud. So if you're upset by it, you see Whitney, all right? <laughs> Worship involves 
other people. Worship is about singing. It's about praying. It's about listening. It's about responding together. That's what makes a satisfying worship experience. Worship involves praise. Praise is the highest form of worship. Maybe you got here this morning and you, you, you look at me and you say, I don't have anything that I can think of that I can praise the Lord for. I, you don't know the week I've had. You don't know the month I've had. You don't know what I'm going through in my finances. You don't know what I'm going through in my children. You don't know what's happening in my world. Let me tell you what David said in Psalm 63, 3. He said, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I want you to remember that this week, that God's steadfast love is better than life, and God's steadfast love will never leave you. And God's steadfast love will never forsake you, and it will always be there. And because of that, you always have opportunity to praise God. So we come to worship at God, and we also come to experience forgiveness. Worship involves confession. We came in here this, uh, this week on Wednesday, and children came who had had questions in their classrooms about becoming a Christian. And so most of us took what we call the ABCs of the, of the gospel, and we, we went through those ABCs. We tell them to admit, admit that they're a sinner. Then we tell them what they believe. We, I, I take them all the way from the birth of Jesus all the way to the resurrection, and I make sure they believe all those things. But the last part is I ask them, Can, will you confess with your mouth that, that Jesus is who he said he is and that you need forgiveness of your sins? And by that point, if they understand they, and they can do that, they come to a place where they confess and they become a believer. The church, do you know who the church is for? The church is for sinners. The church is a place for sinners. As a matter of fact, you cannot be received into church membership unless you confess that you are a sinner and that you've been saved by God's grace. I hear, uh, I hear sometimes, well, I know so-and-so is a Christian because they're a church member. It's not always true. But it is a wise decision, if you are a Christian, to be a, an attender, a member of a local church. Um, Acts chapter 3 and verse 9 says that we repent then and turn to God so that our sins may be wiped out. We've, we come into a relationship with Jesus because we've repented and we've turned to, to God and our sins have been wiped out. When we confess our sins, we experience the forgiveness of God. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That was one of the very first Bible verses that I ever learned because I knew that I wouldn't be perfect, and I knew that sometimes I would have to come back and ask God to forgive me and to cleanse me from the unrighteousness that maybe I'd allowed myself to be a part of. Right here, when we come to church, when we are a part of a body of believers like this, it should be a place where we should find the atmosphere that makes it possible to forgive ourselves and to forgive others. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive in our life is ourself. But through being here and being a part of this fellowship and being a part of the experience of learning and growing in God's Word, we understand that not only can we forgive ourselves, but we can forgive others. Since I've been a Christian, 
I have experienced points and times where I have had to go to other people and ask for their forgiveness. And I have experienced points and times where people have come, came to me and have had to ask me for forgiveness. And I can tell you that in both situations, it is a good feeling to have forgiveness and to give forgiveness. It is a wonderful experience. It takes a load off of you. Paul said this to the church uh, in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. He said, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. We come to church sometimes to experience forgiveness. We come to church also to find Christian fellowship. There's a verse in, in Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 24 through 25 that says, says this about the importance of Christian fellowship. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And that first verse there it says, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Encourage each other. Encourage each other to love and good works. Encourage each other. When we see another a brother or sister who's down, encourage them to be a part of fellowship and, and, and to be a part of being in the church. Now, it's not the job of the local church to furnish fellowship. It is the mission of the church to be a fellowship. We are a battleship that is equipped for the, the war that we are in when we become a Christian, and we sometimes some churches tend to become more of a cruise ship than a battleship. Sometimes they tend to drift too much to fellowship and forget that the mission of the church is to, is to be a fellowship. But we are made for each other. John 15, 12 says this, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Fellowship with each other. Love each other. Extend that love to one another. Loneliness. Loneliness in isolation. There, there is, when we isolate ourselves, we become lonely. The devil does his greatest work on us when we isolate ourselves and when we pull ourselves away from other believers. King David should have been out on the battlefield all the, the Bible tells us explicitly that it was the time of year when all the kings were out at war. David should have been out with the rest of his troops doing what he was called to do, but he isolated himself and he fell into great sin. I cook a lot. Um, I, and, and most of my cooking is done uh, outside. And I'm old school. I don't have a gas grill. I, I cook on charcoal and wood. Those are, I'm a caveman. I, I, I don't believe in pushing a button and seeing a flame come up. I, I, gotta, I have to prove something. So I had to start my fire, and I had to keep it going. I, I'm, that's just, but here's what I noticed. You take, those, you take those unlit charcoal, all that, and you put it in one big pile, and you don't, you don't do anything with it, and it, it's just cold. But you put some fire to it. You put some fire underneath it on the bottom, and you begin to eventually begin to watch it 
come up and, and all of it begin to glow and all of it become red hot. And all of it and all of it there when it's in that what was doing nothing, all of a sudden is hot enough altogether to cook and to to be there for the purpose it was intended. Here's what I here's what I find. You keep them all together and they can do something worthwhile. You pull one, you take the tongs and you pull one charcoal apart and you set it to the side and watch what happens to it. Slowly it begins to fade and it begins to die out and it begins to get cold and it doesn't serve its purpose anymore. It's alone and it's isolated when it was intended to be together and to be a part of something that has a purpose. That's what it is to be in fellowship with other believers and to be a part of a fellowship. We, um, we are to bear one another's burdens and we're to pray for each other. A church that is warm, dynamic fellowship is a going church. It is a church that's not just here, but it's a church that's going and sharing the gospel. Charles Spurgeon said this. I saw this quote this morning. Alan Taylor put this quote out, and it's by Charles Spurgeon. It says, Some Christians try to go to heaven alone in solitude, but believers are not compared to bears or lions or other animals that wander alone. Those who belong to Christ are sheep in this respect that they love to get together. God, Jesus, in the analogies that he used about us as believers, he always used the image of sheep because sheep do what? They get together. They flock together. And they stay together. They're not isolated. So we come to church also to find Christian fellowship, but we come to church also to be a part of God's great movement. Jesus said in Matthew 4.10, he said, You shall worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you serve. So we, we enter here to worship, and we depart here to serve. For a long time, the world equated the work of the church with what happened inside the walls of the church. Now we realize that church is not over when the congregation is dismissed. In a lot of regards, that's when church really begins. So here's what I want you to understand. Church is never over. Some of you are thinking, when you're preaching, it's not. But church is never over. Church happens when we are gathered here in this gathering. Church is happening in one way. But when we leave here, church is still going on. In worship services, we worship, we witness the church gathered. Here's what should happen when we're here. Our minds should be instructed. Our hearts should be inspired. Our souls should be fed. And our will should be motivated. Then when we go out into the world, still as the church, but now we go as the church scattered. Both roles of the church are very important. The church gathered is very important. And the church scattered is equally important. The church is not to become a fortress where we gather in isolation to enjoy God and each other. And neither is the church to be a scattered activist group without organization or roots or permanency. The church should be both. We are the church. Each one of us individually make up the church. When we talk about church, we, we 
get in our minds, we get a vision of a building. But when we talk about the church, really we should be thinking about others who are a part of the fellowship of Jesus Christ and who have been forgiven of their sins and who have a work to complete here. What happens inside the church a lot of times will determine our effectiveness later when we become the church in the world. How, how important is it then that we be together, that we meet together? Now, there are people who are medical professionals or law enforcement or different things, and a lot of times they have obligations that they have to work on Sundays. And that's just a part of the reality of their world. And as a church, we should be, we should be doing, I, and, and I haven't really figured out exactly how we do this, but we should be doing a better job of giving those people who, when they can't be here, feeding them and edifying them in some way so that they get a part of this experience that we have. The trend, in our, the trend in the church world now, I talked about this with one of our other church members just uh, last week. The trend in, our, in, in the church world now is I can sit home and I can watch, the, I can watch church on the Internet and, and that, that's how I go to church. You're missing something. You're missing that fellowship. You're missing that being together. You're missing that opportunity to be with other believers and to worship and to lift your voice up in praise and to, and to pray for each other and to share your burdens with each other. You're missing that opportunity. It's a great tool when we have a things that are sicknesses or things that when we can't be here, it's a wonderful thing to, to be a part of. There, there are church services that I watch on Monday, and, and I'm inspired by, by what I see. But it's so important for us to come together and to be together as often as we can as a body of believers. And this morning, I want to encourage you, as we go through this, the, the summer months, and, and as we tend to be scattered in so many places with vacations and different things, I, sometimes we have to be intentional. Sometimes we have to, to say, no matter what happens this week, I'm going to be at church on Sunday. Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision a lot of times. And so we have to decide early on what we're going to do to make sure that nothing interferes with our being here. Now, this it should be, to, to me, this should be the launching pad for your week. This should be where you're inspired and where you're motivated and, and through what you learn, whether it be through Sunday school or through the music that we sing or, or through the message that is brought, there should be something here that you grab hold of and that you take with you for the rest of the week and you, you pray about applying that to your life and to being a difference in someone else's life. So this week, that's what I want you to, I, I want you to concentrate on that, on being here, on being a part of this, and, and understanding the importance of, of being here on Sunday mornings and worshiping and lifting your voice and praising and being a part of a fellowship like this. You may be here this morning and, and you're, you're saying, well, I, I hear all that and, and I know I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't know that I have ever come into that place where I know that I have a relationship with Jesus. It's just like we taught the children here this week on Wednesday. It's as easy as ABC. Number one, 
well, A, I wouldn't have been a good teacher. A, you admit. You admit that you have sin in your life. Every one of us is born with sin. Paul tells us in the book of Romans that, that all of us fall short of the glory of God. But we can believe. We believe in Jesus. Jesus who came to this earth, who, who came from heaven, and who was born of a virgin, who lived a sinless life. And as I told children this week, I should have gone to that cross, but he went for me. And he went for you. And he went for all of us. And we believe that. We believe that after that, he was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose. And that he ascended back into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And if we admit those things and we believe what the Bible says about Jesus, who Jesus says he is, and it, it is confessing. It is saying to God, I have this sin in my life and I can't do anything about it apart from Jesus. I need to be forgiven of my sin and I want to live for Jesus for the rest of my life and spend eternity with him. That's how simple it is. If you're here this morning and you have never, you've never prayed and you've never, you've never sought God in that way, this morning would be a wonderful time to be a part of that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've, you've made a decision. You need to follow through in baptism or you need to follow through in church membership. Whatever it is, Darren is coming to lead us this morning in a time of invitation, a time of worship, a time for you to reflect about what we've talked about here this morning. Maybe you want to come and pray about your commitment to church or your commitment to telling other people how important it is inviting someone to be in church. Whatever it is, now's the time for us to do that. Let's stand as we pray this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us here this morning to learn from your word, to grow in our fellowship, and to be a part of of this body of believers. Father, if there's anyone here this morning who needs to know Christ as their Savior, I pray that they'd have the boldness to let us know that and allow us to show them through Scripture how that's possible and how they can know that they'll be in eternity with Jesus. Father, for any other decisions that need to be made here this morning, I pray that you would encourage them and, and you would just pull them through your Holy Spirit to do what we're not possible of doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.